Well, hello guys. It's um, great to be with you because I wasn't here last week. I was preaching at Westvale at the church plant there. And um, David uh, started off our new sermon series for this month, Project Self. And it's, what we're trying to do is, as it was explained there, look at the example of Jesus Christ, as opposed to the example that the world sets us. And the title, as you saw, is Project Other. The idea that rather than living for ourselves and our wants and our desires and our needs, actually we start to look outside of ourselves at the needs of others. And David did a great job last week talking about the idea of going for sacrifice rather than comforts. Sacrifice rather than comfort. There's just one bit he, he said in his sermon. I just want to pick up just very quickly before I carry on with uh, this morning's sermon. He talked about the fact that sometimes we feel unable to come to Jesus because of the things that we have done in the past or the things that we may be doing now. And it can become a real burden for us. But I want to say there is nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing that we are doing or have done or ever will do can prevent us from coming to our Heavenly Father because of Jesus. And a great symbol of that is baptism. We had at Easter Sunday five baptisms, a really joyous occasion out there on the grass outside. And it's that symbol of being washed clean, not through anything that we have done, any efforts, any goodness of our own, but because of Jesus. And we'd love to do more baptisms. If you're interested in baptism, if you're interested in becoming a Christian, talk to me or talk to maybe someone that you've come with or someone close to. And we'd love to talk to you uh, about that. So there you go. I just want to say that in the follow-up from... I'm just going to move these things out of the way. Uh, from the follow-up from last week. This week, this Sunday, we're talking about the idea of contemplation, not activism. Contemplation, not activism. I'm going to unpick uh, what that is. Um, hopefully you've got a Bible. Uh, we're going to be looking at the Bible as we do every Sunday. Uh, so you want to grab that on your app or in physical, or there are some Bibles at the back near the, um, the paint-giving machine. Uh, and you might want to turn to, so you're prepared, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 in the New Testament, first book in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 6. So just have that there um, for you to look at in a moment. What motivates you? What gets you out of bed uh, in the morning? Are, are you a motivated person? I'm a pretty motivated person. It doesn't take much to motivate me. I get a real sense of well-being from putting the bins out. You know, I'm that motivated that uh, I just that is a reward enough for me. Yes, I've done. I've got rid of the rubbish. It's out the front. I feel good about myself. So I don't know what motivates you. And sometimes we don't even realize what motivates us. Sometimes our motivations are so hidden within us, within our personality, within our experiences in life, that we don't always understand what it is that motivates us to do the things that we do. Sometimes we're at a loss. Sometimes our friends and our relatives are at a loss. So why do you do that? What motivates you to do that? So it's a really great question. What motivates us? And I think in the particular context of this sermon and this morning, 
I want to look at what motivates us to serve others and do Christian-type things. So prayer and giving and all that kind of stuff. We, we label as doing, doing Christian stuff. Well, what is it that actually sits behind the reason that we do all these things? What is our motivation? There's been a bit of a craze recently on social media of people doing some really nice things, but possibly for the wrong reason. So, for example, you might get, um, they're doing a video and they go out to a homeless guy and they give him £100. Or they give him a car. Or in some extreme examples, they give him a, a house. You've got even examples of, you know, tipping waitresses a £1,000 or $1,000. Usually it's American, you know, because they have to do like 10% or something. They give him $1,000. And they film the response. I've even seen churches doing it, where one church in America ordered a pizza to the service. And you can imagine the poor delivery guy, he comes in, he's got he's, he has a big packed auditorium, he has to walk up the front with his pizza, feeling like a right idiot, and they've done a whip round for him in the church, and they give him, you know, a few thousand dollars. Here's your tip. And they film the response. That's lovely. It's a lovely gesture. But what is the motivation? And often the motivation behind these things, not all these things, but behind many of these videos is to get more likes, to get more subscribers. It's about them rather than the person they are giving to. See, our world tells us to look after number one. Our world tells us that we need to meet our needs. Uh, this world tells us that we are the most important thing. As long as we are sorted, then that's okay. And then maybe you can start worrying about other people. Jesus had a very different way of doing things. And we're going to look at that uh, in a moment. But there is lots of things that motivate us to do things. Sometimes we're motivated by emotion. Sometimes we're motivated when we see things on the news that really upset us. And we're motivated to give to other countries, to charities. That's how it works with current relief and children need. It, it gets our emotions. But if we think of emotions, they're not sustainable. And then it takes more and more for us to, be, to, to get us moved to give. Sometimes we can give out of obligation or duty. We can serve because we feel like we should do. But sometimes that can take us in the wrong directions. We can end up doing things that maybe isn't right for us. We do it because we feel we have to and we should. Actually, that's not the right thing for you. Sometimes we can be motivated out of guilt. Maybe we did something wrong in our past and we feel that we need to make up for that. Sometimes we feel we need to make up stuff to God. And yet we can read the scripture, and if you use your head rather than your heart, you realize that's incompatible with our Christian faith, doing things out of guilt. See, we can sometimes do the right things with the wrong motives. We can do the right things with the wrong motives. And I will say this morning that doing that is worthless to God and possibly damaging to you. Doing the right things for the wrong motives is worthless to God and damage, potentially damaging to ourselves as well. We end up doing stuff for God, 
rather than being with God. From a personal, just from a personal kind of my own experience of this, lockdown, for many of us, it revealed our weaknesses and it revealed our strengths. You know, that time when our foundations were shaken, when, when many of the securities and the habitual parts of life were taken away from us, then suddenly it revealed those things that are really strength, strong in us, those things that are weaknesses in us. For me, what lockdown revealed was that I'm very self-motivated. I'm very self-motivated. But what it revealed to me, my weakness was, I'm too driven, and sometimes with the wrong motives. I had those really annoying people. Maybe I won't ask you to put your hands up because I don't want you to reveal that you're annoying. Um, but those really annoying people say, "Oh, I loved, I loved um, the lockdowns. I got, I just felt I had so much time with God, or I could take up a hobby. You know, I suddenly I took up modelling with matchsticks, and I, you know, it was such an amazing time. And it was it's like I ran myself ragged." I came the closest I've ever come while being here to burnout during lockdown because I pushed myself. I was very motivated, but it was really stressful and it was really hard work. And that's damaging. And that's what I'm talking about. We can, I, I, I very much felt like I was working for God, but my spiritual walk had just vanished. I no longer felt I had that kind of father-son relationship with God. I now felt I had that employer-employee relationship with God because my motives were wrong. That was my weakness. And when you end up doing things with the wrong motives, you can end up burning out. And you can end up damaging yourself and ultimately also damaging other people and damaging your relationship with people and relationship with God. So what is the answer. What is the solution to this problem? Well, we're going to look at Jesus this morning. Matthew chapter 6. I told you to look at it, um, to look it up. Uh, we're going to look at that. Just to set the context, this is Jesus sitting down with his disciples, his followers around him, and Jesus explains to them what it's going to be like to be part of God's kingdom, to be a citizen of the kingdom of God rather than the kingdom of the world. And what Jesus is trying to get across here is there are lots of religious people out there who look like they're doing the right thing. They look really good on paper, but it's not skin deep. And their motivations are ultimately wrong. They are doing things to look good rather than doing the right thing because of their relationship. Uh, with God. And he says, you know, your righteousness, your being right, your doing right, your looking right, needs to exceed that of the people who, on paper, look like they're absolutely perfect. And Jesus spent a lot of time with the people that on paper looked far from perfect. So that's the context. Let's look at chapter 6, verse 1. Words are going to appear on the screen. Be, these are the words of Jesus. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their rewards in full. 
But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their rewards in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I'm going to jump to verse 16. And when you fast, that's when you don't eat, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will be not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Here we have Jesus picking up on three obligations of the Jewish faith. To give money, alms, A-L-M-S, giving money, you've got praying, and you've got fasting. These were not things they got to choose whether or not they did. These were obligations for any Jew to have to do this. We did see the same in Islam. The five, of the five pillars of Islam, three of them are giving fasting, praying. Okay, these are obligations, things they had to do. Really interesting, well, I thought it was really interesting. <laughs> I, I went to uh, spend a week with some friends in a Muslim country, and they rented a flat from a really lovely family. It was a three-story apartment block. They had the top apartment, and the family were on the two floors below. And the father of the house, he had... Uh, he. He was a really nice guy. We had a little chat with him, although he didn't speak much English. But he had on his forehead, just here, a kind of a, a mark. It looked like maybe he'd just got some dirt on there. And I didn't really think anything of it. And then my friend explained to me that he's a really holy, devout man. You see, for, for Muslims, they have to pray five times a day. And if you see, they get on their knees, they bow down until their head touches the floor. Now, if you're doing that five times a day, every day, you end up with a mark on your head. It was an outward sign of his holiness. But my friend said to me, do you know what some people do? They put the mark on their head so they can get the holiness look without actually having to do the, five time, the prayers five times a day. Looks good, but it's, not, it's, a, it's only skin deep. You see, these obligations, if they're done with the wrong motives, like I said, are worthless to God, are potentially damaging to ourselves. And this very much seems to be in contrary to some words, words that Jesus says in the previous chapter, we picked up in our current mission statement, which is to let your light shine. Now, we do your good deeds so, pe so people see it and praise your Father in heaven. It's in chapter 5 and verses 14 to 16. 
So this seems to be a bit contrary. So Jesus is saying in the chapter before, do lots of good things so people see it, and then people praise and worship God. Then here he's saying, do these good things, but do it in secret. So no one sees it except for your Father in heaven. Let's go back to the reason, the context, the purpose behind this words. Jesus is talking about motives. Jesus is talking about what is in your heart here. So if you're looking at this particular sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, as it's called, and you're looking for what do I need to do and not do, then you're going to get yourself in a bit of trouble here because Jesus is being very black and white because it's about motives. So much so, he says that, you know, if your eye causes you to sin, then remove your eye. Now, there are occasions in the history of the Christian church where that has happened, but that's not something we do. We recognize that we're not called to remove limbs and parts of our body if they cause it to sin. We recognize that that is it's about motives. It's about the heart of the issue. So Jesus is not saying keep everything secret. It's all about motives. And that's what Jesus' answer is to this problem. If you're doing things to show off, if you're doing things to be seen, a bit like those guys that put the mark on their heads, then your answer to this is to go the opposite way and to do it in secret. So give secretly. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Okay? Do it secretly. I know a particular um, a lady in my last church who was very against any form of sponsorship. And if any of you do sponsored bike rides, sponsored runs, sponsored eat donuts, I don't know. And we do it to raise money. And she just couldn't understand it. She says, what? why are you doing that? You should just give the money. If you want to raise £50,000 for British Heart Foundation, give them £50,000. Now, I didn't necessarily agree with her, but it was because for her, those words, those that verse, so... Um, Verse 5, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. She took that so literally that you don't, don't do sponsorship. Okay. So give secretly. Secondly, pray privately. So I had someone say to me, well, does, does this mean we're wrong to have church meetings and pray in public at, at church? No. This is about motives. It's about doing the opposite to what your temptation, your heart is to do. And to fast covertly. See, I struggle with fasting, I have to admit, because I get really grumpy. Really grumpy. Um, and so, but it's saying, look, try and hide it. Don't, don't go around going, oh, I'm fasting. Oh, by the way, I'm fasting. No, thank you, I'm fasting. Just kind of make yourself look good. Try and make it seem like everything is normal. Do it in secret. And when we look at Jesus, we see the same sort of thing. We see Jesus living out this message. In Matthew chapter 14, Jesus feeds uh, 5,000 people. We, many of us will know the story. He has um, five loaves, two fishes, and manages to feed 5,000 people with it. If we look at that, chapter 14 and verse 13, when Jesus heard what happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. So Jesus went into hiding, but hearing this, the crowds followed him on foot from the town. So he didn't manage to escape the crowds, but he performs the miracle. He feeds these 5,000 plus people. But at the end, we find, um, he says, um, in verse, verse 22, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. He dismissed the crowds 
And after he dismissed them, he went up onto the mountainside by himself to pray. Now, Jesus had a very public ministry. Jesus was famous in the region. But Jesus took the time to go and pray privately on his own. We see the same sort of thing in Mark chapter 7, when um, Jesus heals a deaf and mute man. And um, I'm sorry, I'm looking it up. Um, verse 35, it says, after he took him to a side, away from the crowd. So Jesus takes this man who needs to be healed, takes him away into a secret place or a hidden place where the crowd isn't there, heals him, and he says to the guy, don't tell anyone. This happens quite a lot. Jesus heals someone, says, don't tell anyone. Keep it secret. Never seemed to work. They always seem to go off and tell everyone. Oh, do you know what this man did? He just healed me. Never seemed to work. But Jesus wanted to keep it secret. Jesus was living out the things that he had told his disciples and his followers in the Sermon of the Mount. Do it in secrets. Come to the end now. But I ask myself a question, why is this so difficult for us to do? Why is this so difficult for us to do? The reality is, I like to be seen. You know, I quite like being up the front talking to you guys. I like to be seen doing stuff. And if I give to someone, I like them to know that I'm giving them something because I want to see their, their face. And they go, oh, isn't that lovely? I, I, I hate opening presents in front of the person that's given it to me. How, how many of you like to see the person open their present? But yeah, no, yeah. I always take those people go, oh, go and open it, open it. No, I like to open it in secret. I don't want you to see what I think just in case I'm disappointed and I can't hide the look on my face. But some of us like to see... Someone received the gift because for us, that is the gift, seeing what people are giving. So, you know, I want them to feel, you know, like, oh, isn't he lovely? Isn't he nice? Isn't he kind? Isn't he generous? Because that's so tangible. I can see the gratefulness. I can hear the praise. And sometimes these things work in my favor, you know. During lockdown, I was incredibly busy. And we associate busyness with success. They say, if you want something done, ask a busy person. Busyness is a virtue in our society. The busier you are, the better person you are. So this whole doing stuff in secret doesn't really work for me because I want to be seen. And I want people to know that I'm working hard. And I want people to feel grateful when I give them something. Doing stuff in secret doesn't work for me. So why on earth would I do it? Well, Jesus says in verse 4 and verse 6 and verse 18 that God will reward you for what you do in secret. God will reward you for what you do in secret. Now, what does it mean by that? Does it mean that all the good stuff I do here is going to be all tallied up on the list? And when I go to heaven, I'm going to have a really nice mansion because of all the good stuff that I did on earth. The problem with that, it is self-motivated. It's just delayed until after I'm dead. Rather than feeling it now, I'm getting it 
when I'm going to heaven. It's self-motivated. I'm doing good things now, so I'll get good things in the next life. Mm. Is that really what it's about? See, I think the reward here is our relationship with God. I feel the reward here is spending more time with God. Pray in secret with your heavenly Father. Do things for God, not necessarily to meet your own needs. I think the reward is that you start to be more like Jesus. I think the reward is that the more time you spend with your heavenly Father, like Jesus did, you start doing the things that God wants you to do rather than the things that you want to do. See, when we do things for ourselves, when we're motivated by guilt or fear or emotion, when we're motivated by obligation, when we're motivated by meeting our needs rather than the needs of others, then busyness becomes our vice and the danger becomes burnout. When instead we spend time cultivating that secret place with Jesus and with our Heavenly Father and with the Holy Spirit, then we start to be guided to do those things that God wants us to do. We start to get our heart changed and transformed so that we, we love others more than ourselves. That is a gift. That's one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. We talked about the fact that the kids are doing about fruits of the Holy Spirit. One of the fruit of increasingly being filled with the Holy Spirit is love. Not love for myself, but love for God and love for others because we become more like Jesus. And if we do those things, if, we do, if we're motivated by God's heart and not our own, if we're motivated by the Holy Spirit and not our needs and wants, then actually we, become, we have a sustainable ministry. All of us are ministers. All of us are in ministry if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And your ministry becomes sustainable because you do those things that God reveals you should do. Jesus said, I only do those things that God has shown me to do. I had loads of demands on Jesus, expecting all sorts of things from him. He only did those things that he sees his father doing. So what do I want you to do? What I want you to take away from this, this morning, I want you to cultivate that secret place. I want you to do something in secret. My last sermon, two weeks ago, at the end of the last series, I said, talked about sacri sacrificial giving, okay? Sacrificial generosity, and I encourage you to give something sacrificially. I don't know if any of you did that. I'm not asking you to put a hand up, um, but I wonder... How many of you did that secretly? I'd encourage you to do something in secret. It could be fasting, it could be praying, it could be giving, it could be all sorts of things. By doing it in secret, you're doing it for God and not for others and not for yourself. And it's God that will reward you. And I want you to spend some time. We're going to spend some time now. There's going to be some questions up on the screen. Just to self-examine yourself and ask, what are my motives for the things that I do? What is driving me? And is it driving me to destruction? Or is it driving me into the arms of Jesus? So let's listen to the questions and let's reflect on those.
Consider your motives for acts of service. How much of it is self-promoting, self-serving or self-gratifying? Can your motives ever be truly selfless? Does it really matter? How tempted are you to replace relationship with God with doing more for God? How important is prayer to you? How do you relate to God best? <music>